Good evening. It's wonderful to see everyone here this uh, this evening. As Nathan said, it's a little bit of a short crowd here this uh, this evening. But we thank you so much for being here, where you could be elsewhere. We thank you for making the time to be here with us to worship God in truth and in spirit, to sing songs that put a praise unto our God, and to, and to see each other. To, to, to be near, near each other, handshakes shakes with each other, hugs with each other. It's a wonderful time. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to be here tonight that we can gain strength from each other and also gain strength and knowledge from the studying of God's Word. And I hope tonight that we are, that you are blessed by, by, by the study of, of the evening. As Brother Nathan said, we are, we are continuing our, our study in the book of Matthew. We are on Matthew chapter 20. And as you, as you see from that first slide, I've got Matthew chapter 20, Mark chapter 10, and Luke chapter 18. Now, before everyone gets excited, we're not going to do all three of those chapters here, here, to, here to, to, tonight. But I wanted to go ahead and put that on the board because as I was going through and, and I was studying Matthew chapter 20, Mark chapter 10 and, and Luke chapter 10 have lots of parallel things. They have lots of parallel verses there, lots of parallel stories. So if you are taking notes and you, and, and you want to go home excuse me, and study some more, I want to encourage you to, to, to study Matthew chapter 20 with Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 18 and, and you'll gain a better understanding as a whole as what the Bible is wanting us to teach here, there a little and, and, and here a little as we go about studying. But I, I would encourage you to look at that, Matthew chapter 20 with Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 20. And I'm going to have most of the verses up here on the board. There's going to be a couple times where I'm going to ask you to turn to the Bible or a device that you have there as we study the, the scriptures together. Jumping straight, straight into our text, actually, we're going to go, go, go back and study just, just a little bit of Matthew chapter 19. If you are here last Wednesday, Brother Monty did Matthew chapter 19, and I would like to, to revisit mainly the last four verses of that chapter. Because the last four verses of chapter 19, Jesus is, is responding to a, a question there. He's teaching something, and that rolls straight into Matthew chapter 20. If you see the ending there of Matthew chapter 19, especially that last verse in Matthew chapter 19, it goes with the point of the first parable here in Matthew chapter 20. So backing up, doing a, a small recap there of Matthew chapter 19, the last four verses there. Verse 27 of Matthew chapter 19, the Bible says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first... But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So this is, this is right after, if you remember Matthew chapter 19, where we studied about the rich young ruler. This is right after that time of the rich young ruler, where, where that rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, What thing can I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, Keep the law. He says, I've kept the law. I've done all those things since my youth. What do I lack yet? And he says, Sell, sell everything. Sell everything that you own. Give it to the poor. And come and follow me. And did the rich young ruler do that? He did not. Was it, was it because he had money and he was rich? No. He coveted those things. And it was a stumbling block. And Jesus knew that. He knew that that was going to be a problem for him, for him to follow him. So he says no. And this man, this rich young ruler, turned away and left. And then Peter says, 
hey, we've forsaken everything and, and followed you, Jesus. We've forsaken all our riches and all our things and all our houses. And it's almost like a little bit of one of those, a little pat on the back. He said, look at what we've done. What do we get? What's our reward? And Peter, as the more we study and we see that character, Peter is a very human being. Because he says things that I know we probably have thought. He sees things and he just blurts it out almost. And it's always a wonderful opportunity for Jesus to correct him and to teach him. And he says, what do we get? We have forsaken everything and followed you. And Jesus is pretty much saying right there at the very end, but many that are first shall be last and last shall be first. What's Peter's problem here? Is, does he want some reward? And I don't think that Peter really understands it. Here Jesus says, you, you want to be first because you guys are first. You guys have left everything. You guys are following me. You guys are doing all these things. And Peter's like, what do we get? And basically, as we read this next parable, they get the same gift, that everlasting gift that we get, that all those get who work in the vineyard of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 20, in verse 1, the Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when, he had had a, 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 and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Matthew chapter 20, verse 5. Uh, again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto him, Why stand ye here idle? All, all, why stand ye here all the day idle? They said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So here, this this householder, this person who owns the vineyard in this parable is God. He is the one that owns it, and he owns everything. And later on, we'll see his steward, and, and I believe that Jesus is represented as a steward there. But he's saying here that this is like a, a person, a householder, who has a vineyard, and he needs laborers, and he needs workers, and he's going out and getting these laborers, and he's going out and getting these workers, the second hour, third hour, fourth, fifth, ninth, all the way up to the 11th hour. And he needs these, these workers. He needs these people to be in his field doing work. It's a very encouraging thought because we are laborers in the vineyard, the same vineyard. We are laborers with the same householder. We have the same steward that's being talked about in this parable. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think of yourself as a laborer? Do you think of yourself as somebody that's got some work to do? Are you someone who has been doing that work all your life? Or do you know someone that had just started working in the vineyard yesterday? See, in John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24, the Bible says, But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking those people to worship him. Just like in this parable, God is seeking those people to come work for him to come work in his vineyard. And I think that's an encouraging thought that when we think about that, that we have a a job to do. We have work to do just like these people did. And God is seeking those those worshipers. He's seeking those people to come into his vineyard. And he's seeking them the, the, the first hour of their life, 
or if it's the last hour of their life, God wants those souls saved. He wants those workers in his vineyard. Continuing on in, in our chapter, Matthew chapter 20, verse 8. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, or their wages, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came, they were hired about the eleventh hour. They received every man a penny. And when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. <clears throat> and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house. <clears throat> verse 12, excuse me, verse 12, saying, these last have wrought but one hour. He's, they're saying they have, they've only worked but one hour. And thou hast made us equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one, one of them and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that, that, take that, that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto the last, even as unto thee. So, so what's going on here? We see these, these workers, we see, we see these people in, the, in this vineyard, and, and there's some people that have worked the entire day. And then there's some people that are coming at the very end of the day. It's a 12-hour work day, and I have worked 12-hour 12 12 work day, so I understand the heat of the day, working all day long. And then somebody comes in and works one hour, and then they get the same pay that I do? Just think about it, because I've, I've had the same kind of attitude. I've worked for the company that I've worked at for 15 years. And if you hire somebody yesterday and you want to pay them the same as me, I might be a little upset. I'm like, wait a second, I've been doing this for 15 years. Or I've been doing it for a, 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 a year or so, sacking groceries and checking at United. And then somebody comes in and they're, they're the lead man. They're the equal. They get the same pay. What are these people thinking but they're not saying? Well, that's not fair. That's what they're saying. That's not fair. Do we think that way? Sometimes I certainly have thought that way when it comes to my worldly life. I want my due. I want what is fair. I want mine. If I've worked the whole day and someone's worked an hour, you better pay me more than a penny because that's not fair. And Jesus here says, and I love the way he says in his prayers, like, didn't you agree with me for a penny? I'm not doing anything wrong. You agreed for that prize. You agreed for that wage. You agreed for that gift. I'm just giving them the same. But the problem that these people had, these workers that had worked all day long, is instead of focusing on what they should be doing, they're focusing on what other people are doing. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. They're not wise. Do we do that? Do we do that in the church? Do we do that here with our brothers and sisters? Do we compare ourselves with somebody else, thinking that, well, I'm doing a lot better than that person is? Or do we do that in the world, that I'm certainly doing better than that other person, and we compare ourselves, and we measure ourselves? And the Bible says that that is not wise, and it's like what John talked about this Sunday morning. Sometimes we have that Pharisee attitude, and we want to point, point, point at that publican, and be like, well, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. I'm much better than that person. And you might be able to see where I'm going with this. This, this is about being humble. These workers that work 12 hours, they're not being humble. 
they're comparing them, the, the, themselves among themselves. And we'll see later in this chapter that Jesus says that is not how it's going to be in this kingdom. That's not how it's going to be in this vineyard. Comparing ourselves and measuring ourselves among ourselves, it's not fair. And that's what Jesus is addressing here in Matthew chapter 20. Then he, he, he goes on and says, Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with, with mine? Is thine eye evil because I am good? He said, Is your eye evil because my eye is good? So the last shall be first and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. That, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's what, what, what Monty read last Wednesday. It's that same thought. It's that same concept. But see, we want to be first, don't we? We want to be best. We want to have the best of everything. We personally want to be the top dog, top shelf, or whatever you want to say. That's something that we have to really work out of ourselves. Is When it comes to being a Christian, we need to humble ourselves and treat everyone with respect and not compare ourselves among ourselves, not measuring ourselves among ourselves, because Jesus says here, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. It's a humble thing. It's a pride thing. If you would turn to me to Luke chapter 15, verse, verse 24, as I was, was studying this parable the entire time, I was focusing on that those laborers that, that were complaining, those laborers that were, were grumbling against that good man, and they kept bringing to mind the parable of, of the prodigal son. But it wasn't the prodigal son that I was thinking of. It was that elder son. And I'd like us to read that and refresh our memory of that story here for just a moment. In Luke chapter 15, beginning of verse... <clears throat> We're actually at beginning of verse 25. And the Bible says, Now his elder son was, it was in the field, and it came and draw nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him, and he answering said his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou hast never given me a kid, or, or givest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed him, killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is thine. It was meet, or it was good, it was right, that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. So see, that elder son had that same attitude. He's like, not only did he work one day, he worked all his days. He said, I have been with you working in this field. And it's kind of ironic for our study today that it starts out with the older son working in the field. He's, he's in the field, just like that parable, and he's working. And he said, I've, I've been doing all this stuff, and you've never given me the fatted calf. You've never given me. What's he saying? He said, you should give me those things. I'm the one that's been working here this entire time. And the father, or the forgiving father there says, listen, this is right. Your son, or your brother that was dead has come back. He is alive now. He gets that same reward. That's the, and that's what, what Jesus is talking about, that if someone comes in here in the 11th hour of their life, almost toward the end of their life, and they obey the gospel and they become Christians, we should praise God. 
because that person is now working. That person is now a part of this family. That person is now saved. And we should not compare ourselves or measure ourselves. We should be glad and humble ourselves in the sight of God. That, that's, what it, that's what is being taught here in Matthew chapter 20 in that parable. But I'd like to touch on just a moment for those, and I'm not saying this anybody in, the, in this room here, but I don't want us or anybody to wait for that 11th hour. Because I think there's some people out there in the world that are, are, are thinking that they could just wait for that 11th hour. They'll, they'll, they'll get in here, they'll sneak in here right, right at the end and get to do what they want. And that's not right because none of us know when our 11th hour is going to come. None of us is going to know when the end of our life. If you see that calling or you hear that word and you see the master calling you to come into his vineyard and work, do it immediately, that very hour. Come and be a worshiper. Come and be a worker for the Lord. Continuing on there in Matthew chapter 20, we're kind of shifting gears here now. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, the Bible says, And Jesus going up to Jerusalem, so they're going to Jerusalem now. They, they, they had left Galilee, they were on the other side of, of, the, of the Jordan, and now they're going to Jerusalem. Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. And shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. So he tells these, his disciples this. He's like, hey, we're going to Jerusalem now. And I need to pull you guys aside and tell, tell you something. To me, it's a little bit of a preparedness. Kind of like, listen, guys, this is what's about to happen that I'm about to go, go, go to Jerusalem. You're going to see these things. You're going to see me be condemned to death, but then you're going to see me rise again the third day. What, what I want us to understand is the human nature of, of, of these apostles, and it's better for us to understand that if we read that same account really quick in Luke chapter 18. I'm not sure why that's the L and the U are, are together there. That is Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 31, the Bible says, Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things are, that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be uh, delivered unto the Gentiles, and they shall, and, and shall be mocked, spitefully entreated, and, and spat upon, or spitted upon. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death in the third day, he shall rise again. And then verse 34 there says, And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. So it's a little confusing to them. And I think Jesus actually kind of addresses some of that issue here later in Matthew chapter 20. They didn't fully understand. And I think that some of their understanding was that they were still thinking of maybe an earthly kingdom. It's like, well, how is Jesus going to do an earthly kingdom if he's dead? And I don't think that they fully understand. But to me, when I read these things and I look at the disciples, sometimes it's a little bit encouraging because I'll read something and I might not understand. And I have to study some more and I have to look some more. I have to ask somebody. Just like if we continue reading all these Gospels and we get into Acts, you'll see that these apostles, they understand. They've, they eventually gained that knowledge. But at the moment, they're not 100% sure what Jesus is talking about. Because this is their Lord. This is Jesus. They're talking to him now. And they're saying, you're going to be crucified. You're going to be, you're going to be put to death. 
And then on the third day rose again. I just wanted us to look at that and understand that Jesus is trying to prepare them, but they didn't quite fully understand what was going on here. Continuing on to Matthew chapter 20, switching gears again here in this chapter. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, the Bible says, Then came to him, <coughs> excuse me, him, that being Jesus, the, the mother of Zebedee's children with, their, with, with her sons, worshiping him and desiring, desiring a certain thing of him. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> verse 21, And he said unto her, What wilt thou, or what, what is it that you want? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on, on the left, in thy kingdom. So this is the mother of James and John. It's, and, and she is coming to, 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 to Jesus and asking, you, you could say for a favor, but she's desiring a certain thing. But I want us to, to point out, even though she, she asked something and we understand she shouldn't have asked that, she still came to Jesus worshiping him, okay? She was probably someone who was with Jesus or had, had been with Jesus some. And it says there that she comes and she asks about her two sons. She wants them to sit on the left hand and the right hand of Jesus. Now, she's in fault here some. But what mother doesn't want the best for her children, right? That's just, that's just a motherly thing to do. And, and she's asking for, for this favor. I want James and John to be on, on your left hand and on your right. <clears throat> Continuing on there, in verse 22, the Bible says, But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye, are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And I emphasize those words because it wasn't just the mom that was in on this, this asking, that was in on this de desiring of this favor. James and John were certainly in on it too. They wanted this, okay? And they are the ones that are asking this. Because if you look, if you can picture this, here's Jesus and here's the mom. She asks this question and then he almost turns to the two sons in my mind and says, do you guys understand what you're asking? Do you understand what's going to happen? Can you do these things? And they said, yes, we are able. And I think they say that a little bit out of their ignorance, really, because I don't think they fully understand exactly what's going to happen to Jesus until they see those things for themselves. So it's not just the mom that's asking the favor, the boys, so to speak, or the sons are in on it too. Verse 23, the Bible says, He saith unto them, speaking of James and John, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. So if you go, if you go back, and I would encourage you to read Mark, Mark chapter 10, you'll see that James and John are certainly on the forefront of asking this question. And Jesus said, do you understand that you want to sit on my left hand and on my right hand? Because Jesus is going to be sitting on a throne. And Jesus said, do you know how I'm going to get to that throne? By this cup, by this baptism, by this suffering that I just talked about earlier. And he said, do you understand that I'm going to be condemned to death? I'm going to be spat upon, I'm going to be scourged, I'm going to be hit, beat, and all these things. Jesus said, that's the way to that throne. Are you guys wanting to do that? 
And they said they're able. And he says, yes, you actually will. Yes, you will certainly drink from the cup. Not, not the exact same circumstances of Jesus' death, but if you study, James and John certainly do have those deaths. It's not recorded of, of, of John, but I believe James is in, in, in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he is killed, beheaded by Herod there in Acts chapter 12. So he is basically saying, you guys will have that martyrship, so to speak. You will be killed, but to sit on my left hand and on my right hand, Jesus says, that's not mine. That's the Father. That's prepared of the Father. He's the one who will be taking care of that. So he basically kind of tells them what's going to happen and what's going to happen to them. Continuing on there, in verse 24, and when the ten... The other apostles heard it. They were moved with indignation against the two brethren. They were upset. They were angry. They were mad at James and John. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever shall be great among you, let him be your minister." You know, that verse sounds like those that are going to be first are going to be last, and last are going to be first. It's the same concept. Jesus is teaching that same thought through this whole chapter here. But the other ten are kind of mad. Why, why, why are they uh, upset? Because they went privately maybe and asked for this favor? Or maybe they're like, how, how, how dare they ask that? I wanted to ask it first, and I'm speculating. But they were certainly upset at the two brethren for what they did. They asked to be sat upon the left and, and, and the right, and they were upset. And Jesus kind of squashes that, so to speak, right, right here, where he says, "You know, the Gentiles want to lord over people. The Gentiles want to be great. The Gentiles want to be king. They, they want to be rulers. They want to be have that lordship." And he said, "That's not, that's not what you guys are here for. That's not what you guys are doing. You guys are not going to be the greatest among you. Is going to be leader or head. That's not what he's saying." He's saying, those that are going to be great, let them be your minister. Let them be your servants. I'd like to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Just verses 3 and 4, but I want to read these verses from the New King James Version. Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> beginning of verse 3, in the New, New King James Version, the Bible says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Do you think James and John had, had a little bit of selfish ambition there asking that question? I believe they did. And the Bible here says it in Philippians chapter 4, so let not every man look on his own interest, but also on the interest of others. If we go back to that parable that we read at the first of the chapter, were those that worked the whole day wanting that more money, were they thinking about the interest of those other people? No, they were thinking about themselves and what they wanted and what they thought that they deserved. But here, it's the, it's the same thing. Jesus is saying that you look out for, for each other. You humble yourselves. And, and the Bible says in Matthew chapter 20, continuing through our, our chapter here, it says, And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as a son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and, not to, and to give his life a ransom for many. What does it mean that to give his life a ransom for many? 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, verse 20, the Bible says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It says that Jesus came to give his life a ransom for many. That we are bought with a price. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I didn't come to have people wait on me and serve me. I came to serve. Jesus came to wash people's feet. Jesus came to have compassion. Jesus came to, to, to see blind beggars on the side of the road that we're going to see here in a minute, have compassion, and to heal their blindness. He's serving people. That's how we should be. That's why, how he's telling those apostles there, his, his disciples there, to be. And he says, even as the Son of Man, he's basically saying, look at me. Look at me as the example. We should do the same. Look for Jesus as that example. He says, look at me. I came to serve people, to be a servant. As we sing that song, Lord, make me a, a servant. Make me like you. That's who Jesus is. And he gave his life a ransom for many. He said that he gave his life. We are bought with, with the price. And that price is the life, the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because as, as we read about, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even uh, the death of the cross. Humbled himself. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and 6 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, and all you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You see, it's God that does the exalting. Many times we want to exalt ourselves. Just like those, those, those apostles there, they wanted to exalt themselves. Just like those workers there, they were thinking of themselves. We're the great ones. We're the ones that worked all day. But here the Bible says, be clothed with humility. Have that humility wrapped around you like a blanket all the time. Be humble. And it says, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And we've, we've studied the proud tonight. We've studied some people that were prideful. and We've studied some people that had humility. That we should humble ourselves and that God may exalt us or may exalt you in due time. I think the biggest issue, the one thing I want us to all take away from this, ch this chapter tonight is for us to be humble. Humble ourselves. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. This is the closing of, the, of this chapter. We're shifting, gears, we're shifting gears to another story here in Matthew chapter 20. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, the Bible says, And as they departed from, uh, from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. So now they're, they're, they're departing from Jericho. They're still on their way towards Jerusalem. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord. Not sure why it's doing that. That is Lord. O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked him because they should hold their peace. But they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Verse 32, And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. 
as we close here in this, in this story, it's, it's a wonderful story. You could picture these blind men here, that they are blind. But they hear this commotion. And as soon as someone said, Jesus is coming, they knew exactly who that was. And they knew who that was to the point that they start screaming and crying out, Lord, save us, or Lord, have mercy on us. But what's real inter in interesting here is the multitude rebuked them, saying, hush, be quiet. Jesus is busy. He's just passing by. He has no time for you. Is basically, and they cry out the more. They get louder. Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. What do they ask of? Imagine if you were blind, what would you want to be able to see? That's the one thing that they wanted. I want us to read Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 42 of this same account here. Because I think it, it gives more light to this, these men here. <clears throat> in, in Mark chapter 10, it's called Blind Bartimaeus there. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, the Bible says, But they came to, uh, to Jericho, and as he went out of, of Jericho with him, his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So not only is, there, is, 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 is he a blind man, he's a begging blind man. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that, that he should hold his peace and that he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they, and, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garments, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So from this account, it's, it's a little bit more detail here. It's the same person. Mark's account only mentions, mentions Bartimaeus because to me it seems like Mark maybe, had, maybe knew this man some. But it's that blind beggar there. And when Jesus calls him, he cast off his garments. He cast off his clothing so he can run to Jesus. And Jesus says there, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And I think it's very important to point out the faith of these blind beggars. That many people that could see Jesus, see the miracles that Jesus was doing, didn't believe. But a blind beggar believed before he received his sight. He believed in the Son of God. And he believed that he could heal him of his blindness. In Luke chapter 18, verse 35, of the, of the, of the same account. <clears throat> Luke chapter 18, verse 35, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as they had come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passes by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. 
And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. And I think that's an extra important point. Not only was that person received his sight, was healed, he followed Jesus and he glorified God. And all the people that were there gave praise unto God. God was praised for the miracle that was done there of this blind man. That Jesus took, took the time to stop to help this blind man. It shows the humble spirit of Jesus. It's continuing that thought of being humble. That those other people, they weren't humble. They were rebuking him, saying, be quiet. Had no compassion. Jesus had compassion. Jesus stopped. Jesus took time to help that man. That Jesus is that example. He says, even the Son of Man. Look at his example of the way he treated everybody that he encountered. And that how we should treat each other as well. And have compassion on each other and be a humble servant of God. <clears throat> if, if there's someone tonight who is not a worker in that vineyard, if, if there's someone who is wanting to be that worker, who, who is wanting to be that person in that vineyard to come unto Jesus, we are here, we are prepared. Jesus can, like he healed that man of his blindness, he can heal us in spirit. And we have water here. We are, we are prepared to assist you in baptism. If there's someone here who is having trouble, who is having a, a difficult time, who feels like they not, may not have been working in, in that vineyard as well as they should, or maybe they were a little prideful, maybe you've been comparing your, yourselves or measuring yourselves, we can fix that now. We, we would like to pray with you or for you. If there's anything else that we can do, we'd ask you to please come sit on these three chairs up here as we stand and sing. <clears throat>